Welcome to the Death Science Podcast, where we explore new perspectives on life, death, dying, and the dead. Please like, share, and subscribe to support. You can find the audio on all major podcast platforms by searching Death Science Podcast. You can find the video at www.deathscience.tv. And you can learn more about the show at www.deathscience.org. Welcome to episode number 15. Today's guest is Brian Hayden, the founder and producer at redesigningtheend.com. We'll be talking about things like utilizing renewable energy for end-of-life care and death care, as well as exploring the importance of end-of-life planning and learning and webinar opportunities and so much more. But before we get started, I want to talk about catacombculture.com. That is where I sell my sculptures, my sculptures being functional home decor I make out of hyper-realistic human bones. From human bone lamps to food-safe skull bowls, I make a lot of memento more friendly pieces that serve as reminders that our lifespans are limited so let's make the best out of the time that we have left explore my bone gallery at catacombculture.com also restinggrounds.org will guide you in exploring alternative post-life care for your deceased body your deceased body has the potential to literally save lives advance multiple fields of science and so much more Learn more at restinggrounds.org. Now let's meet Brian and explore new perspectives on life, death, dying, and the dead. So on today's show, we are joined by Brian Hayden. He is the founder of RedesigningTheEnd.com. He has a podcast, Redesigning The End Podcast, and he's also a course producer. Welcome to the Death Science Podcast, Brian. How are you today? I'm great. Really happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. I am sitting in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I have three kids. And for the last 15 years, I have uh, built a business called HeatSpring. And that is a company that does training around renewable energy. And I started that as a grad student. And I just wanted to do something in renewable energy. I thought it would be fun, interesting, and as a way to get started, I started offering training classes. I'd hire a trainer, uh, promote the course, and get people to come and learn how to do solar installation or whatever. And uh, over the last 15 years, the company's trained about 30,000 solar installers. Uh, the solar industry has grown a lot. And it's been really fun to just see, you know, over time, things move in a direction that I was excited to see. And so I want to do the same thing with aging and end of life. I think that there's a lot of room for improvement on what it looks like to get older and die. And um, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And my background is this education and training thing. And so that's what I see as a real opportunity. I think that getting professionals, whether it's like, lawyers or hospice workers or social workers or senior living, you know, care workers, giving them a place to learn how to do things better and share ideas feels like uh, important work that I'm excited to do. Awesome. So describe your mission at redesigningthend.com. Uh, we're building an education platform where people can go to learn better approaches to aging and dying. And so uh, the goal is to just 
have tons and tons of learning opportunities for people. Whenever the, they get inspired to learn something, I want there to be a place that they can go and trust that what they're going to learn is of high quality and, you know, will help them in the career. So you mentioned you you have a background in renewable energy and you're interested in end of life care. So what was the initial spark? What was the initial inspiration for combining the two elements? Mm. Yeah, I don't have like an origin story where I had this one person close to me pass away or really, you know, a, a scare of my own. I've, of course, have known lots of people in my life who've passed along. And, um, but there was that one origin story. I would say I've always been interested in this topic. I, ever since I was a kid, I just think when people ask, why do you want to talk about that? I think, how can you not want to talk about that? It just feels so obviously interesting and, and worth discussion. Um, and then I would say, you know, I'm in my early forties, I've got kids. I probably, when I look ahead, I think, I want there to be better opportunities and solutions for me as I kind of go into the back half of my life. And so I'm just trying to get ahead of that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what were some challenges maybe you faced while kind of starting to dip your toe and enter this industry? Mm -hmm. It's so broad. So I would say I'm still finding my voice and trying to not sound like an asshole when I talk to people. Um, anytime you start getting, into a new industry, you know, you're learning how things go, you have ideas, you're bringing this fresh perspective. And so that's, that's healthy and good. I don't think anyone would start anything new if they already knew everything, because, you know, then you'd be intimidated or think like somebody's already got that figured out. So I think there's a healthy amount of, of ignorance that you have to bring to anything new you do. Um, but I'm trying to sort of close the gap between that sort of ignorant state and actually having a, a, good perspective on where I can actually have an impact. So right now, you know, I'm really broad. Elder care, senior housing, um, death care, and, you know, estate planning. And I, I hope over time to maybe hone in on some like really specific areas where there's a need. And I'm, I'm working on that every day. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned uh, uh, senior, senior care. So have you been reaching out? Like, who's your target demographic? Is it just to educate the, the younger folk? Mm. Or are you going out to like the senior centers and the senior? Yeah. Life? Yeah, no, I mean, I think there comes a time in everyone's career where they think, man, I'd like to do something a little bit different than the way I'm doing it now. So uh, people that are already involved in the, in those industries, I think is the primary target, you know, I attended Endwell, the conference Endwell, uh, which is like a really highly produced and cool conference that provides like a lot of inspiration around end of life topics. And then I wondered as I was there, I thought, now what? What's everybody, you know, there's lawyers and social workers and death doulas and, you know, all these people are here getting inspired and now they're going to go back to their jobs and maybe they'll come back here 365 days later um, you know, what is the technical next step, you know, if they want to actually implement some of what they're getting inspired about. So I would say that is when I think about the target demographic, I think about people that go to Endwell and are kind of death curious, but actually don't know technically how to start doing that kind of work. So as a reference, 
we're recording this February 2nd, 2021. Uh, on your site, I noticed that you have some webinars, some courses, uh, some of which include, say, green burial, uh, hosting virtual funerals, and uh, changes to Medicare. Do you want to talk maybe a little bit about those and what people can expect? Yeah. Yep. We um, are starting to do just basic education, one-hour webinars, free um, the first one we just did was opportunities in green burial, uh, trying to help people figure out if they wanted to kind of work in that space um, where there might be jobs or opportunities for existing you know, cemeteries or funeral providers for kind of greening up what they do and offering new things. So we got about 100 people uh, in that webinar and it was great. We're going to do uh, how to host a virtual funeral. This is something that I'm really interested in during this time of COVID. And there's a few companies that have really grown a lot um, because of COVID. And one of those is Gathering Us. Uh, it's a virtual funeral provider and they do amazing, beautiful ceremonies virtually. And I think that um, even when COVID's over, some of that virtual components never going away. I mean, making it available to people regardless of geography for, that can't make it there um, and then also having video kind of like something to remember it. And because it's such a blur that time for people. So I think virtual funerals are here to stay. I don't think that we're going to have only virtual funerals like we do right now, but um, I'm really interested in like, what are the sort of things that are never going to go back to the way they were? Um, Cause I think there's a lot of really cool stuff going on with virtual funerals. And by the way, when I have put up ads for that, I've, I've, we've done some advertising the response is so mixed. Some people are like, oh my God, thank you. This is amazing. Other people are like legitimately freaked out that we're advertising an event like that. They just think like, why does this exist? Yeah. Um, but I think that that's cool to do something that's polarizing. Uh, you know, I think that's part of the point is it doesn't happen normally. Be, and, and I see an opportunity to do it better because people do kind of want to keep it on the down low or not talk about it until they have to. And then, yeah, we do have a Medicare one coming up. As I've gotten into this, I found you got to follow the money. And Medicare is huge money. It's how most seniors get their health care paid for in the United States. And it's just like, anytime you're dealing with that amount, amount of money, it really drives what's possible. And so I'm seeking to understand Medicare better myself. And then we also want to advise kind of like financial advisors and estate attorneys and people who need to know what's up with Medicare because they're trying to serve their clients. So in the future, what are some ideal courses that you'd love to have? Yeah, um, I, want to, I want stuff on wills and estate planning, um, advanced care planning. I'm working on a, a, a podcast episode right now with uh, Respecting Choices, which does advanced care planning systems. And the benefits of advanced care planning are like unbelievable as I get into it. I mean, the willingness to talk about and clarify what you want to happen when you die is like this miracle drug that's in like, basically it's hiding in plain sight. It's this thing that costs almost nothing and it has all these benefits and only like 30% of people in America do it because I don't know why. And so um, I'm interested in understanding more about the systems that we could put into place to help people do that. It's my feeling that systems are what we have to rely on because you can't, we've been trying for hundreds of years to like tell people that they should think about this stuff. And 
it's just not in our nature. Like we're not going to change people's opinions about that, but we can change the underlying system. So it's like the default, like you have to do it. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm really open to any idea about the types of classes we should be doing. Um, so I'm all ears if you or anybody else has good ideas. For sure. For sure. Also on your site, I noticed that you have an infographic called the death stack covering all types of end of life care industries spanning from like life insurance to healthcare to senior living and on and on, uh, essentially spanning, uh, annual revenues of, of the whole death care world. What opportunities have you found uh, within all that information? Yeah, thanks for asking. So I, as I've kind of gotten into this uh, industry and talked to people, what I mostly am finding is that I talk to really good hearted people working really hard and burning out because maybe they're frustrated by the system and feeling disempowered by the system. So, um, I'd love to change those systems. And in order to change the system, you have to understand the system. And in order to understand the system, I think you have to understand where the money goes. So I set out, I have this giant spreadsheet that I started building. It took me like a month. And it was just, where is the money related to the end of life? And man, the first surprise I saw was life insurance, a trillion dollars a year, oh. trillion. I mean, it is giant. and man, it is a really hard thing to get my arms around. I haven't figured out where in there there's something that we can do to kind of uh, like a leverage point in the system to make it better. But uh, that one is just out there. Healthcare obviously is huge. 25% of healthcare is in the last year of life. And um, to me, advanced care planning and systems is like that leverage point in healthcare. I think there's a whole bunch. But to me, advanced care planning and better systems in order to clarify end of life preferences is like this thing. So uh, I can tell you a little bit. Is it okay if I go deeper into that? Absolutely. Yeah, go dive into yeah. it. So um, 25 years ago, there was a, this study the, uh, in La Crosse, Wisconsin. So in La Crosse, Wisconsin, 96% of adults have an advanced care directive in place. That means they've clarified what they want to happen at the end of their life and what the types of treatments that they don't want necessarily. Uh, and so is that beyond just the do not resuscitate kind of orders? Yeah, it, it starts there for sure. But then maybe like there's a little bit more nuance to a full advanced care directive. Okay. And so the, the, the average in the U.S. is that 28% of people have that in place. And in La Crosse, Wisconsin, it's 96%. And when they surveyed all of the markets for healthcare costs in the country, 306 markets, La Crosse, Wisconsin was the lowest in the whole country. And so it had the highest advanced care directive rate and the lowest healthcare costs. And it's not a coincidence. The two things are connected. Um, and so when they looked at why, it's because they had a system in place where starting at 18, they always would ask and encourage you at every doctor visit to put one of these things into place. So by the time you get to be old in your 70s or 80s or 90s, you've been asked this like dozens of times and at some point you just did it and it became part of the culture. And this is a system that is like really inexpensive to, to put in. And so um, I wondered like, why doesn't that happen everywhere? I mean, it, it, to me, it seems like everywhere would obviously do this. And the reason is that um, hospital systems aren't like motivated to do things that reduce revenue. Um, like, 
that's actually not what they're what it's motivated by. And so um, there was this thing that went into place that said that they have to offer it. It was legislation in like the 90s based on that study. And it didn't really work. I mean, we're like 30 years later, and we still have basically the same rates. And so um, what they've done is, this is why I like this new idea of systems, is incentivizing systems um, and paying for systems. I think if, if Medicare and Medicaid and all the payers did that, they paid for these systems to be in place because it's, it brought down the cost of healthcare. It would just be like this huge game changer. It'd be like a step, step function drop in healthcare costs. So anyway, that's a long answer to, I think there's some healthcare stuff. I also am really interested in the role of technology in like caregiving. Um, 40 million Americans uh, are caregivers for their family members. And they, it's like this, this giant unpaid labor force that are caregiving for their, their parents or whoever. And then within senior housing, it's really hard to keep employees. People burn out really low pay. Um, and so there's only so many things that can be done about that. But like, um, you know, technology hopefully will play some role. And then there's also this other thing about licensing. Like, um, that's a really boring thing. So I won't, I won't bore you on the licensing around nursing, but we got to like open up pockets of labor and then have payments go to those people. Oh. So like, like kind of like a, like a, like a Venmo kind of thing. Like what kind of technology? Mm. Yeah, there's like some cool technology. So I did an interview with Care, um, which is one of several. Uh, but it's basically like yeah, gig economy. Like you can be kind of like you can be an Uber driver. You can be on Care, and uh, you can pick up shifts uh, wherever you want um, because there's a ton of variability in how much these how much they need people, and so it's hard to keep people on staff. So they're trying to bridge that gap. And I think it's, when you hear about it, you're like, of course, that should exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, so tell us a little bit more about your podcast. What, what can listeners expect when they tune into the uh, Redesigning the End podcast? Yeah, our first episode that we did was with Paula Spann from the New York Times talking about hospice, um, green burial, uh, you know, philosophy. I my favorite thing in the world to do is produce those podcasts. They are so labor intensive. It is crazy. And um, so they come out slowly. Uh, I would love to just spend all my time doing that. But yeah, episodes are 10, 12, 13 minutes long, pretty short. Um, good music produced by Pat Couples and hopefully an interesting story to go along with some kind of a lesson. Um, it's really fun. I, man, I love doing that, the podcast. Nice. So what's the future, the ideal future for redesigning the end? What, yep. what can we expect, say, in the next year, in the next five years? How big, how big uh, can we expect it, ideally? In five years, there will be 200 courses at redesigningtheend.com. Most of them will be free. And some of them will be, will be certification courses for people that are sort of like trying to up their game in, in some major way in their career. And, um, you know, we'll have tens of thousands of people learning every day on the, on the platform. And I have a really clear vision for it because it's what heat spring is today for renewable energy. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just want to build the same thing and it just takes time to build it, you know, but every day I'm connecting with great 
instructors, people who have something to teach, good companies that, I, that I'm excited to feature. So I would say if anybody has something that they're excited to teach or learn, um, you know, either way, I'd love to hear those ideas and hear from you. Awesome. And uh, how can people reach out to you? Do you have an email address or just fill out a form on your website? My, web, my email is all over the website. If you fill out a form on the website, it'll go to me. B. Hayden at redesigningtheend.com. Brian Hayden. Yeah, you, you, it's not hard to find me. You, you mentioned you're also into um, uh, renewable energy. So what do you think the future is like for the combination of renewable energy and end-of-life care? What, mm. would, what, would, what can we expect, say, in the next 10 years in the industry? Yeah, I, when I started, I didn't think they really overlapped at all. Uh, I just thought education is something that is needed everywhere. What's interesting is that I am finding there is like sort of a sustainability thing where, you know, you talk about green burials. That's a motivation for a lot of people. I think that climate change is just going to cause a lot of changes in the way we view everything we do. And so um, green burials are, are like a no brainer. Um, there's a lot of kind of innovation on that side. I would say um, one interesting thing has been the use of drone technology uh, is like a huge thing in the solar industry now where they do like site inspections and, um, you know, mapping of, of sites. Uh, and now that's happening also in cemeteries where they're mapping uh, grave locations and using GPS coordinates and using drones to do it. I would say technology, you know, there's gig economy type solutions for solar, just like I described for senior housing. So I think that, uh, you know, sort of these enabling technologies, software and things like that, you know, they're, they're accelerating progress in renewables and they're thankfully kind of coming along in death care and a lot of these death related industries too. Uh, at the end of every episode, I ask the, my four horsemen questions here. So number one, what is, in your opinion, what is the worst way to die for you? Mm. Um, my grandpa had Parkinson's and uh, he died over the course of 25 years. Um, and that was extremely formative watching that process. Uh, I, that, that, that seems bad to me. That seems about as bad as you could get. Mm -hmm. So question number two, what is the best case scenario for you? To mm -hmm. do? Yeah. So, uh, I would say, yeah, what would be the best case? It would be some kind of superhero movie where I like, you know, take out all the bad guys as I die, but I've already said all the things I need to say to everybody I love. Love it, love it. That's good one. Um, uh, what would your last meal be if you could pick? Sushi. Ooh. I love sushi. Oh. Uh, give me some like sashimi and um, all you can eat sushi. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Oh, nice. And then last question, what is your ideal funeral? What's that look like? Yeah, I, I would love people to laugh. To me, laughing is the best thing that we have available to us. I love it. Um, if people laughed at my funeral, 
that would be a big win from my perspective. I hope they, they celebrate my life. They, it's an occasion to come together and uh, develop stronger bonds and community. Um, yeah, I, I hope for no hand wringing. If people want to cry, that's fine. But, but yeah, I hope people laugh. Nice. So as we wrap up, is there anything else you want to mention or mm. talk about? Um, yeah, I would just say that I have been really surprised and excited about how welcoming people are. Uh, when you, uh, when you start talking about this topic, that is not what most people want to talk about. When you find the people who are into it, they're really into it, really generous, um, willing to share, connect, help. And, uh, this show is an example of that. So thanks for having me on. And, uh, I hope to kind of pay that forward for you and for anybody else that stumbles upon what I'm doing. Um, if I can be helpful, I'll go out of my way to be helpful. Awesome. Yeah. And thank you again. I really appreciate it. Uh, and then where can people learn more about your mission, what you guys are doing? Uh, where would you like them to go? Redesigning the end.com is the best spot. There's links to the podcast and everything else. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on and chatting with me and but not only that, also inspiring others to, you know, rediscover, to discover a brand new way of thinking about the end. And for all that, thank you so much. Uh, keep up the good work and yeah, love to talk in the future some more. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you for listening to the Death Science Podcast. For updates and new episodes, subscribe right now. It's quick at www.deathscience.org. Remember that we all must die one day, so talk to your loved ones now about your post-life plans for your body. Learn more about creative and beneficial post-life plans at www.restinggrounds.org. I'm your host, Jeremy, signing off. Thank you, and memento mori.